You know, this time of year is very unique. I know we talk about the 40 days of Lent, but not only do we worship kind of with our minds, but also with our hearts, literally with all of our senses. So I want us just to take a moment and look around the room, the beautiful cross, the, the purple that remind us of the season of preparation, the beautiful music that we have shared that just kind of linger in the room. I want us just to take a deep breath and know that Christ is with us here in a very powerful way. <clears throat> and we want to experience him through our worship. <clears throat> I love the series that we're in <clears throat> this year, which basically is that wonderful question, who do you say that I am? As we talked about, <clears throat> this happened in a key moment in Jesus' ministry. Uh, people were all abuzz about him. And so he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they were answering the various answers. And then he got real personal. He said, but who do you say that I am? That is the question for every generation. Who do we say that Jesus is determines everything about our life of faith? So we've been thinking about in these days. Remember, we began last week by talking about the fact that Jesus is our rock. He is our sure foundation. And today we're talking about the fact that Jesus is our healer. He is a help to us in every time of trouble. As we think about that, I was thinking about a story about Jesus, the healer, um, that really captures the very essence of his heart, of his love for humanity. And the story is told about two scientists. They were on an expedition in the forest and as they were in the forest walking through, they came to kind of a cliff, looked out at the water down, it's a pretty steep cliff, and they heard a bird chirping. And they got really interested and they kind of looked over the cliff and there below them on a ledge was a little baby eagle that had been abandoned by its mother. But their heart went out to it. They thought, how in the world are we gonna rescue this little baby eagle so it doesn't perish there? And, and they hatched an idea. Their guide had a little son that was with them on the group and they came up with the idea. Why don't we ask this little boy if we could lower him over on a rope, he could go down there, grab the little eagle and it would be saved. So they shared the idea with the little boy. He wasn't having it. It was a pretty steep drop and he was not interested at all. So they offered him money. Nope, not interested in money. They doubled the offer, not interested. They tried to bribe him every way they could think of. The little boy wasn't buying. It was no way that he was gonna do that. Finally, one of the scientists got desperate and he just turned to the little boy and said, do you have any ideas? Can you think of anything that we can do to help save this little baby eagle. And the little boy said, sure, I have an idea. I'll be willing to go down on the rope and I'll be willing to go and get the little baby eagle if you will let my dad hold the rope. And a great story. <clears throat> he trusted his dad. He had confidence in his dad. And if his dad was holding the rope, he was willing to take the risk. And that's the story of our faith. <clears throat> Jesus has compassion for us. Jesus wants to heal us, but the key is to put our hope and our confidence in him, knowing that whatever we face, whatever we go through, he <clears throat> is right there with us. It's that spirit of confidence and 
trust in Jesus' compassion and love for us that undergirds our scripture lesson for today. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn now, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 16 through 17. Matthew 8, 16 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. That evening they brought to him many who were possessed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he cured all who were sick. This was to to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. When we read a passage like this, we need to know we are the ones in the story. We are the ones who need healing. And we need to be honest, all of our healing is different. Some of our healing that we need is physical healing from illness or a condition that we are facing. Some of our healing may be mental, some of it may be spiritual, some of it may be emotional. Some of our healing may be from grief that shrouds us like a cocoon. Some of our healing may be from addiction. Some of our healing may be public and everyone knows what we need to be healed from. Some of it is so private, deep within us that nobody knows. Sometimes we don't even know ourselves, but whatever it may be, What does this scripture tell us? That Jesus doesn't live us to exist in our woundedness. He comes to us and he wants to heal us. He comes to us and again and again and again and again, he fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah throughout the generations. Jesus' healing is for each one of us. But the truth is, if we're honest, we're like that little boy and the eagle. We face some scary situations that we're not certain about. We have to have the courage and the trust to dare to move forward knowing that he is with us and whatever we face, Jesus is holding the rope. That's why I think we need to be honest and spend some time thinking about the subject of healing because sometimes we get a little uncomfortable because it would be easy if Jesus were here in the flesh So we're not sure how healing works today. Or we have prayed for healing and we haven't got the answer that we were looking for or the time frame that we expected the healing. So we need to spend a lot of time to think about, reflect upon, meditate on how Christ's healing works in the world. So I want us to do that this week. Hate to give a little commercial for our Lenten book, but the Lenten devotional for tomorrow Monday, March the 6th, deals with the different types of healing. And I hope we will spend some time, and if you don't have a book, we can get it easily on our website, thinking about how healing works in the world and how Christ works. And Todd put together a chart that shares there are many different kinds of healing that we need to be aware of. Immediate healing, process healing, healing that hurts, ultimate healing. Notice when we see these, It's not about the how and the when with healing. The key for us, the power comes when we always remember the why. Christ will heal in many different ways in many different time frame, but the why is always the same because God loves us. And whatever we're going through, Jesus is there as scared and afraid as we are holding the rope, urging us on. Think about it in human terms. If we have a child or grandchild that is in trouble and needs healing, 
What is the first thought that parents have when they have children in trouble? They want to get to them. Wherever they are, whatever the distance, if your child is hurting, you want to get to where they are. You want to help. We will move heaven and earth to help our children find healing. In fact, if our children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren aren't right, we're not going to be right. And if we flawed, imperfect human beings love like that, how much more does God love us? No matter what we face, Jesus is there holding the rope. Even when we're a little afraid, going over the cliff, we can trust that he is there. And who does healing apply to? Every one of us. This scripture applies to every single one of us here. We all stand in the need of healing. Last week, we sang as our closing hymn, Rock of Ages, that great old hymn, was haunted by the third verse that really does capture in a beautiful way the human condition and who we are. Remember how the hymn writer put it? Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling, naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Naked, helpless, foul. We all, we all need healing. I mean, sure, we may, be, we may be fit as a fiddle on the outside, but on the inside. In those places that, that we don't want to talk about, in those places that we really don't even want to think about, we, we need healing. Healing, not curing, not fixing, healing. Deep, deep healing, healing of our, our soul sickness, healing of our sin sickness, healing in those, healing in those places that that are disappointed and discouraged, healing in those places that are afraid and, and abandoned and ashamed. We need healing. We all need healing because, because we've all been wounded. Some of us, some of us have been wounded in, in the very worst of ways. We've been, we've been wounded the worst by those who are supposed to love us the best. Some of us have been wounded by loved ones, by friends, by parents or spouses, been wounded by our kids. Some of us have been wounded by the church. And, and this morning, if that's us, if, if, if I may, I, I want to take a moment, I want to pause. And if that's you this morning, if you have been hurt by the church, let, let me please, let me. Let me beg your forgiveness. On behalf of Christendom, let me beg your forgiveness. I am sorry. I'm sorry that that we've hurt you. And let me beg you, let me beg you, please, please don't give up on God. Please don't give up on God because of God's people. We get it wrong sometimes. Um, Because we're we're human too. And we're hurting too. And, and hurt people hurt.
people. We all need healing. And so whenever the chips are down, who do we trust? When, when, we're, at the, when we're at the end of our rope, who's on the other end? Because that's, that's where Jesus desperately longs to be. In fact, there is this, there's this, interesting, there's this interesting pattern in the healing ministries of Jesus. Whenever you read throughout the gospels, there's this interesting pattern that you see that, that, that whenever the people are reaching out, when the people are crying out to, to Jesus, uh, Jesus has this tendency to stop and he asks them a question. Jesus asks these people, he asks them what they want him to do for them. And we think, well, well, Jesus, isn't that, isn't that pretty obvious? They, they want their sight. They want their sight to return, Jesus. They want their, their legs to work. Jesus, they want, the de- they want the demons to leave, Jesus. But here's the thing, it's not like, it's not like that Jesus didn't already know all of that. And it's not like Jesus needed for any of them to say that. No, what Jesus knew, Jesus knew that they needed to say that. Jesus knew that they needed to put their finger on it. Jesus knew that they needed to put their voice behind it, that they needed to vocalize it, that they needed to come to the healer confessing their need. We we all need healing, but, but are we brave enough? We all need healing, but are we brave enough to confess our need, to fight our pride, to to fight our stubbornness, to to fight that incessant compunction that so many of us have to make everyone else around us believe like we have it all together when truth be told deep down inside of us, we're just a big old mess. Are we brave enough to confess our need? In fact, right now this morning, if if we were to cry out to God, what would we say? This morning, if we were to cry out to God, what would you say? What would you ask for? What need do you need to confess? Because somewhere, somewhere along the lines, um, somewhere along the lines, we've made that, that, that prayer, we've, we've made that honesty, we've made that vulnerability, somewhere along the lines, we've made that brave. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a dear friend of mine passed along this, this book, this amazing little book. It's called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. And it is, um, it is beautiful, and it is brilliant, and it is simple, and, and it is deep. And in it, the boy, the boy asks the, the, the horse, the boy asks the horse, what's, what's the bravest thing you've ever said? Help, replied the horse. Help. The courage of simply asking for help. We come to the healer asking, begging, pleading for help. We come to this one whose whose wounds can heal us. We come to this one who took our place. We come to this one, the only one who can help. We come to Jesus. To Jesus whose whose cross became a, a place of commerce. 
We come to our healer, Jesus. We come to our helper, Jesus, who from the cross took our sin and our suffering and our shame and exchanged it for salvation. We come to Jesus who who still seeks to help. We come to Jesus who still seeks that trade, to to Jesus who who trades our guilt for gladness, who trades our our ashes for joy, and, and we all need it. We all need that sort of healing. Um, I think that that a lot of y'all know that before I came on staff here 20 years ago, I I served as a chaplain down at the county hospital down in Waco. And uh, a couple of months into my ministry down there, um, my my supervisor came to me and he asked me to go in to visit this man, to go and visit this this gentleman who had just been admitted into into the ward. Uh, He had been shot in a recent attempted bank robbery up just north of the city, up in Elmont, you know, that little city that you drive through as you're driving south on 35. Um, He had been involved in in this bank robbery. And I'd I'd read about it. I'd read all about the heist, how this this sheriff's deputy had been shot and how he had been brought into our hospital. And so I was was really honored. I mean, I, I was humbled. I was humbled to get to go and spend some time to get and share some encouragement with this, this real life hero. And so I went up to the eighth floor and I went to his room, knocked on the door. And whenever I went in, he was there. He was just laying in his bed. One of his buddies was sitting right there next to the bedside with him. His, his friend had his, his, his badge on. His badge was, was shining in the bright examination light. And so I, just, I grabbed, I dragged the other chair that was in the room. I dragged the, the, the other chair up to the foot of his bed and just for like 30 minutes we talked and we shared and, and, and we laughed, but I could see that he was getting tired. I could see it in his eyes. I could see this deputy was getting tired. And so I offered to, to say a prayer and then just kind of leave him to return to his rest. And, and he eagerly accepted, he eagerly said yes. Um, but whenever he reached out his hand to take mine in, in prayer, the, the bed sheet lifted up a, a little bit and it fell over the side of the bed rail. And I saw it, I saw it for the very first time. When he reached out his hand, the bed sheet lifted, and I saw that this man was shackled to the bed. I thought he was handcuffed to the bed because as it turns out, this guy I was visiting with, this guy was not the cop. <laughs> turns out this guy I was visiting with was the robber. And all of a sudden, that, so much came into such, such sharp focus. Nothing, nothing about the character of the man who was shackled to the bed for as shocking as that was. What came into focus were questions about me, about my character. Because in that moment, I started to wonder, I honestly started to wonder how that conversation would have gone, how that conversation would have been different had I known going in who he was. I started to wonder how that conversation would have gone, what sort of difference there would have been had I known going in what he was, the bad guy. And not the good guy. And then I started to wonder what that difference said about me. Because that guy too, he, he also was a child of God. He too was someone for whom Jesus died. Broken. And, and wounded. And lost. And I realized right then that, that he wasn't the only one in that room that was, that was shackled to something. Because I was shackled. I was shackled too. I was shackled by my presumptions and by my judgments, by my, all this, this high-minded snobbiness, ways of thinking, ways of thinking that needed 
to be healed. And here, and, and here, and down here. We need healing in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. We need healing in our families, in our marriages. We need healing, communal healing, national healing. But it's all got to start with, with our own personal confession. Jesus, I need healing. Lord, I need healing. It's got to start with our own personal confession. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord Jesus, I, I believe, I believe that you can heal me. Help me to believe that you will. Lord, help me to believe that you will heal me. Jesus, help me to believe that you are healing me. That you're healing me in your own majestic, unknowable ways. So we, we search ourselves and we study Ourselves. And with the confidence of God's own children, we confess our need. We, we confront our helplessness. And in so doing, we are empowered to confirm our usefulness. Because you see, if, if it is in fact true that hurt people hurt people, then could it possibly also be true that healed people can heal people? that God can, that God wants to use our woundedness to help bring others, to help others find, to find healing and hope and wholeness. Could it possibly be true that, that the redemptive power of Jesus Christ is strong enough and it's big enough to reach down into the worst moments, into the darkest places of our lives and to transform them? So that he can use them for his good, so that he can use them for his works, so that he can use them for his glory. I mean, it's like Jesus looks down and says, yeah, you thought that scar, you thought that wound got to define you. You just watch, you just watch what I'm going to do with it. And Jesus knows a lot. Jesus knows a lot about the healing, transformative power of scars. I mean, do you remember, um, do you remember how the, that very last moment, do you remember what happens at the very end of the, the story of the healing of the garrison demoniac? We, we did a sermon series on it a couple of years ago. Do you remember what happened at the very end of that story? Jesus had healed him. Jesus had set this man free, legion. A man so infested with demons that he was even called by their name. I mean, he was literally identified by his woundedness. But Jesus had healed him. Jesus had set him free, and, and this man, he comes and he begs Jesus to let him follow. He begs Jesus to, to let him be a disciple, and, and Jesus says, no. Jesus says, no. He says, no, no, no. You go back. You go back to your hometown, and you tell all those folks everything that I've done for you. His wounds became his witness. And so too came ours. We... We wounded agents of Christ's healing touch. Because you see, that's the thing about a rope. It can either tie us down or it can lift us up. Friends, this morning, be lifted up. For who do we say that he is? Jesus, Lord, Lord, be our healer.
as we pray. Our God, we, um, we confess our need this morning. We confess our brokenness. We confess, Lord, that, that we need you to be the healer of our minds and our bodies and our souls. We confess that, that we need healing in, in our families and in our marriages and in our communities and in our churches and in our schools and, and in our nation, God, and in your world. But we also confess that it's got to start with us. That transformation happens one life, one soul, one story at a time. And so, Lord, we open ourselves up and we pray, God, pour yourself into us because we're tired. We're exhausted for settling for these, for these little, these little band-aids that never stick, these band-aids that never last. God, we need your healing deep and wide. So come to us, Lord Jesus, and heal us. Come to us and make us yours. Come to us and take us and change us and use us, God, even our woundedness. God, use us all and only for the glory of your name. Because it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.